Welcome to the Insecurity Project Podcast. Most people think the best you can do with insecurity is mask it, manage it, or medicate. I'm convinced this is a problem that can be solved for good, and that's what this show is all about. Join me for weekly 10-minute Tuesday episodes, live coaching demonstrations, and world-class interviews on the subject of overcoming insecurity. Now on to today's show. Well, hello again, friends. You're on the Insecurity Project with Damon. Today, my guest is the wonderful Nicole Hathley. Uh, I've known Nicole for maybe nearly three years, I think, and such a wonderful human being. Very excited to have her on the show. Um, Nicole's a leading global brand specialist. She's a thought leader, profile expert, design thinking methodologist, international keynote speaker, founder and business director of her organization, Brand True North. She energetically brings to the table over 27 years of experience delivering award-winning brand strategies for iconic and international brands and influential thought leaders. Uh, the very first moment that I was introduced to Nicole, uh, I felt all of that was true, summed up in just the introduction. And so uh, I'm super excited at this conversation. Nicole, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thanks, Jamin. How long have we wanted to do this? <laughs> <laughs> I thought... I, before the show, I kind of thought, now this is it. This is our second conversation, isn't it? And uh, I, that I thought we'd actually had this, but perhaps, uh, like I, I write about, think about, read about, dream about the insecurity project all day, every day. And so it's all a blur. Sometimes I think I've done things that I actually was just in the in my sleep that I actually did it. So here we are. This, this oh. is real, isn't it? This is not a dream. This is actually happening. I had to actually go back into uh, the insecurity project uh, page to see that I wasn't on there because we've been jamming <laughs> on Clubhouse. We've been speaking together um, through other very dear organisations to our heart um, for a long time, but not on this medium. So super excited. Yeah, it is. Um, so, so let's start. Just tell us a bit more about what you do and uh, so people can really get a feel for uh, yeah. who you are and, and your value that you bring to the world. Of course. I'll take it out of bio speak. <laughs> we'll do human speak. Um, I did start really, really, really young. That 27 years when I hear it uh, spoken out, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I didn't start that young. Um, but I started my journey um, in advertising, marketing, uh, communications, and also the digital sphere when it was up and coming. I was one of the first digital uh, strategists as well. So it's been interesting. I kind of um, always been in a world of articulating value First for brands, and we're talking some big international uh, and global uh, brands, and very, very fortunate to win awards and, and to really cut my teeth. I was at Leo Burnett for eight years, uh, and so really understanding what that uh, articulating value for brands was all about. Then I turned to the dark side, then I turned client side, and I became uh, the person who wanted uh, everyone else to bring the articulation of value for my brands to life. So I had both sides of the coin there. So really fortunate. And my last uh, actual role before launching my own business was uh, an executive management roles uh, in banking and finance. Um, so in ComBank. So leading some incredible teams there. So I do have the executive leadership piece um, that really set me up for success. But now... As we were saying before, I'm in the business of branding humans now. So I take all of that brand uh, architecture, brand engineering and brand strategy tools, uh, knowledge, information and network in and help thought leaders and also industry leaders 
uh, and brilliant uh, charity leaders to articulate their value. I guess monetize what their knowledge is and bring it to life and being really secure in how they actually treat themselves as a product or service as we thought leaders are. And that's a really, really hard shift to make from corporate or industry to this brilliance of thought leadership. It's just a different leadership. It's not a learned leadership that we have when we go through school all the way through job roles. It comes back into that authentic leadership. Why us, why this and why now? So I just sparkle helping um, incredible people across the globe articulate their value, also just find their voice and really amplify their voice, bring an audience around. And then I think just activate their thought leadership. What does that actually mean from strategy to implementation? And we have a lot of fun. Mm, no doubt. Uh, yeah, I, I get to work a lot of the time in the crossover from uh, level four to level five in the spiral dynamics model, if you're familiar with that, which is, it's defined a bunch of different ways, but I like the idea of level four being the system which is characterized by um, you know, working for the men, working, serving someone else's vision, making someone else rich, uh, doing something that you're good at, but you're exchanging time for money. And then level five is the entrepreneurship level where you're actually learning the lessons of money, finding your voice, speaking your message, gaining confidence, stepping out in, in the real world, out of the shadow of serving others and actually finding your own vision. And, and it's totally about finding your voice and understanding who you are and what your value is. So this is a super relevant conversation. Um, but one of the things I notice is I think, you know, both Seth Godin and Gary V talk about the fact that there has never been a, a, an easier time in the history of the world to be an entrepreneur. There, are, there is literally no barrier to entry. There, are, there is a great access to global markets, global individuals. Um, and so I, I find while that is incredibly true, then because there's, there's no rules and very, uh, you know, less defined structure around what it is that you're doing, then I find a lot of people flounder. They're like, but I don't, I don't know. I can't just, there's no box I can fit into. Um, so what does it mean to be me? So this journey of actually understanding who am I, what is my value, what is my personal brand, um, it, it is, it's an essential part of actually being an entrepreneur in, the day, in today's world. And, um, you know, I'm most interested in understanding that process from you from a psychological point of view too, because uh, that, that requires a massive amount of internal reflection on identity and beliefs and, and value. So... Um, yeah, I'd love to weigh in on the psychological, but also I want to share actually for the first time because I've just mapped it out myself um, from a personal point of view, if that's okay. But I do love the model and moving from four to five, I work with a lot of people that are coming out of C-suite and, and even board level into from that learned leadership and from that um, quite corporate leadership, which works in corporate. It's how we mobilise our teams. I'm such an advocate for it in its own setting. But when you bring it out into five, it doesn't work. As entrepreneurs, we have to promise everyone we get up and serve that we will we'll keep making it up as we go. Mm. Like if, if we knew this and we knew what we were doing, we wouldn't be entrepreneurs. We have to promise to our audiences that we'll just keep it, you know, free and keep making it up as we go because that's how we all grow and, and create. But coming back into moving from that four to five, which I love that you referenced the model, the one thing that it boils down to 
and I work with many um, thought leaders and entrepreneurs uh, coaching the one-on-one, it is this real struggle from translating language but also transforming ourselves from discipline to autonomy. It's one of the hardest things to do when we're humans. So what I see people struggle with when they come out into entrepreneurship, that natural-born entrepreneurs who haven't been in a beautiful process like corporate, which, again, I love it for the process, they haven't experienced this. When we're in discipline, and I love etymology, and the, the etymology of the word discipline is to follow, disciple. And so when we get to follow rules, when we get to follow what our JD says, when we get to follow what our boss says, our KPIs, our KRAs, what people say in our performance review, we can really do, re- we can do really well. We can exceed in those guide guardrails and we know what to do. We can then follow those rules and we can be super successful. And I was one of those. I followed those rules. I thrived on it. It was creative order for me. I did push the envelope though, you can imagine. <laughs> but then when we come out, and I know this firsthand because it took me three years to understand that I had a choice, that I was autonomous with the work I did, the people I did it with, how I did it, how I showed up and what difference I made. So what I understood was when I came out, and we see this all the time, Jamin, with people that we have the privilege working with going, I don't have any structure in this new world. So I get up, have a shower, go out, get a coffee, come back, go into my room where I'm working and then I'm set up. Then I do my nine to five and then I've got a lunch break and I do go out for a walk and then I go to the, they've just recreated discipline rather than stepping back and listening to what their rhythm is, listening to what that flow is. So rather than push in that nine to five and keep that industrial mindset, we can actually get to choose how we show up, but we have to get quiet to understand that first. It's really hard to transition. So I I personally help people transition in the shorter amount of time that it took me three years. And I got burnt out. I got burnt out because from corporate, I came into my own business, wanted to make it work, put a couple of eggs in different baskets, but then recreated discipline. I didn't get this understanding that I get to choose and show up in flow. And so it's taken me three years just coming off. um, How can you be burnt out in your own business really easily? You can get burnt out in your own business by design or by default. And I went, wow, I'm doing it by default. I bought my corporate world into this beautiful business that can't live and breathe. It's kind of in a box. And once we let that go um, and let it live and breathe, you don't look back. But that's, you know, I can now contain my energy and I get to choose. And if I don't want to show up on Friday, I don't have to. And I don't feel guilty. So I actually share my own story. That's a whole different podcast. But I know firsthand what it's what that transition's like. And it's one of the hardest transitions as humans. And more of us are doing it now because of the new normal and the next normal. Our corporations, our organisations, and also our industries look and feel differently. We're all going to be mini entrepreneurs in our own industry and even in our own corporate. We'll start getting to make up our time, choose when we want to be in the office to an extent, et cetera. So it's really interesting time now. And it's the time of our lives to get really clear on our autonomy, what we get to choose and how we articulate our value all the way through. But yeah, from a psychological point of view, it's one of the hardest. 
um, because it's such a long ingrained pattern where they actually had it from school. So entrepreneurs are the ones that, uh, we hear it all the time, the ones that really um, <laughs> mucked up at school, couldn't focus, they were disruptive, they had different things to do um, and, and diagnoses of all sorts of things. But no, they're true entrepreneurs that choose autonomy from a very young age. A lot of us, when we go into organisational or even vocational, we're just following through. So from about seven, we learn that process. So we have to unlearn. I don't know how old everyone else is, but I've had to unlearn hmm, um, nearly, you know, 45 years of, of that being ingrained. So it's a really deep pattern. And to embody your own uh, ability to choose and not feel guilty and listen to the beat of your own drum, it's really bloody hard. <laughs> I, just, I agree. It's one of the most hardest things we do, but I... I think it's probably the central work of our adult life is to be self-sufficient and to and to actually march to the beat of our own drum. I, I think that, you know, the world is moving us towards entrepreneurship and that's a lovely thing. I, I believe it's, it is a natural progression to keep growing. If we've each got a unique gift, we, we, there's no one like us in, in the world. We're not repeated anywhere else in, in the whole of the universe. And so it makes sense to show up understanding our unique gift and being able to bring that to the world. Um, so I understand that there's a you know there's a whole podcast in your journey around how you did it. But I'm fascinated if you've got a few insights that you'd be willing to share about that transition in your inner world. Um, you know, because everyone's hearing you know going, but how? But how do you do that? How do you do that? It's hard. How do you do it? So what what can you share about the how? Let's get practical. Um, it's about mapping your value. And so uh, this is the big question, the how. So um, I work with um, our value map, which I will actually put a link in to oh, yeah. the show notes for you. Right. And every, everyone gets a whale. It's like Oprah. Everyone gets their own value map so they can follow it. <laughs> nice. um, so once you get it, uh, you can download it and actually follow through. But the value map uh, is based on two ideas that um, you may or may not be familiar with or the audience may or may not. The first is Ikigai. And, uh, and the second is actually Genius Zone. So I've worked with both for many years and I've blended them uh, in, in the program that we do, which is Brand Your Way. And we've blended it in to be your value map. And all it does in its essence is brings in four areas that we don't often think about. And especially if we're coming out of industry, organisation, vocation, coming into entrepreneurship or maturing through entrepreneurship, we don't actually get to stop and think about what are our talents, what are our skills, what's our passion, what's our purpose. Those four things are the key to your value. And if you think about it in a Venn diagram, you've got four circles. Which is Beautifully. the Ikigai. The Ikigai is the Ikigai. four, the four yeah. circles. Yeah, what, what are the four? Correct. And in the middle is pretty much the source of your value. It will boil down to one word. Can you imagine boiling everything that you embody as value or the world sees in value in one word. And it's really hard to do. Once you do it, it opens out everything. And so what we do is we look at passion and purpose, which we'll get to in a moment, and we look at talents and skills. That's all you need. It's all in there. Then what we add to that is uh, your origin story. So it's absolutely vital we bring our whole story and all of the threads that are weaved through our life and our career because that has every single clue 
as to what's going to be continuing in your life and what's valuable. What are you naturally gifted at and what do you keep showing up doing? Because that's going to light you up and it's going to light the world on fire. So it's actually moving this mindset from products and services. What products and services do I deal in? Shifting to what impact and legacy are we creating? So it's a mindset shift as well. But getting into this beautiful um, conversation that you and I were in uh, in Clubhouse, Jamin, it was fascinating. And when I go through passion and purpose the way that oh, I go through it. Preempt that because that, that was extraordinary when I heard you talk about that, this distinction between um, that passion and purpose uh, are often grouped together as one thing. They must be the same thing. You must be your purpose is the things you're most passionate about. Um, but in fact, you think, no, that's not true. Uh, passions are the things that light you up and give you value. The purpose, purpose of the things you kind of have to do. And when I heard you say that, that was extraordinary because I was reflecting on my own language and my own journey around that and thinking, I used to describe the insecurity project as, as a passion project. And, ah. and, then, and then, I'd, then I'd use words like I'm on a mission to solve insecurity in the world and it felt very true and very legacy leaving and making a big contribution um but no one wants to be saved no one wants to be preached at like it's not nice when someone's on a mission to fix you like it's like can you go away please so i i actually the more that i've examined the insecurity project for me um it is not a passion project i'm i am often sick of talking about insecurity honestly i am I, I, it is all in and, and it feels like a very predictable problem with a very predictable solution. I feel like I've had the same conversation at least a thousand times. Uh, and so sometimes I'm like, it'd be easier if I didn't have the insecurity project, but, but then I go, but it would be unkind. Like people suffer greatly for not knowing how to solve this problem. It, it's a problem that makes incredible sense to me and feels so simple. So um, I'm ruined for anything else. I, I, this is what I have to do, whether I'm passionate about it or not. Who cares? Uh, and so that that was beautiful for me. I'd never articulated like that. So that was a gift and just allowed me to surrender into that um, and then also to find great passions that light me up and, and give me energy that are actually really um, about me and uh, are different. So thank you. And, and and this dives into the how, and I know that our mutual friend Cookie got a lot out of that as well. He's like, I have been struggling with this. I kind of, as you said, have got passion and purpose. Um, so we're often here passion and purpose together. And so what I have always seen passion and purpose for, I didn't realise that no one else saw it like that. It was a real gift. I've always seen passion and purpose, as, as you say, two polar opposites. They couldn't be further apart for, for me. And when I hear passion and purpose, so people are asking, you know, what are your passions and purpose? If, if, you, if you find those, that holds the key to successful career and a fulfilled, joyous life. And you go far out. What are my passions and purposes? What's my passion? What are my passions and purpose? But they're not interchangeable. And this is where I'm working with an incredible woman. She's on, on board. She's in financial services. And she said, Nick, I'm a financially minded person over here. It just doesn't make sense to me because I'm, I'm that person over there. It's really structured. I help people with their finances. But all the way over here, I am passionate about empowering women. And I went, I get all that. But I don't think you're passionate about empowering women. 
She said, I am. I'm really passionate. It's something that, you know, I've done. I just want to all the, um, you know, raise awareness all the time. I'm like, I understand. I understand. But know that they're not, they're not polar, um, polar apart. But I would dare say that that is your purpose mm -hmm. to empower women. And you in, in financial services, you understood quite early that for a woman to have financial security, to have uh, to be able to build wealth and not have the money worries but go up the next level, she can then look after a whole family and community. You know intuitively that empowering a woman, first and foremost, has to be around the financial side of it. Then everything else flourishes. Mm -hmm. She said, that's exactly right. How did you know that? And I said, it would have been in an ordered way. You know, her brain works that way. But the two aren't uh, unopposed. They're together. However, they're together because it's her purpose. Then I reeled off what her passions might be. And she's like, how do you know? Because they work in together. So this work is really interesting where we look at, um, you know, where do you find passion and purpose? And once we take out, they're not interchangeable we break that confusion and we have a deep and centric look at your own passions and a curiousness about the purpose. And I remember um, riffing this when we were um, on Clubhouse. So I wrote them down because I captured them like they were. And passion is, it's passion versus purpose, two sides of the same coin. So where passions are really self-oriented, they're pleasure-oriented, we like them, they're fun. This is a passion for you, this podcast. A purpose is always, always, without fail, other-oriented. Mm. It's about other people. And it's not about pleasure. It's about meaning. And we've got many passions, but we've only got one purpose. And that's the clue. It keeps coming up and it gets louder as we get older. I know. And then your passions are these activities that you love doing. But your purpose is that deep drive that one person has. And passions, you know, they're driven by feeling good. And purpose is often driven by feeling bad or unjust. So that's where passion feels good. But when you're moved by insecurity, Jamin, I know that that's your purpose because it is that, it is that sand in your shoe all the time that just got louder and louder. You don't have a choice, my friend. <laughs> This has chosen you because it's your purpose. You know this and you've absolutely given in to your purpose and you've flourished because that purpose is driven by unjust. The feeling that you can help people with their insecurity, that it's not right if you just went and got a job or went and worked for someone else. Because passion's answer to why you're doing this is because I like it. But purpose's answer to why you're doing it is because I have to. And it's that purpose is internal, passion's external, passion's short-term view, purpose is long-term perspective. And a passion is feeling and feelings always change, but that purpose is a plan, it's a course and it's hardy. And so one is the flame and it's really unbridled, but really purpose is the wood that sustains it, it's the fuel. And as we go on, there's so many, um, uh, so many things that I can bring out that show how far away these two are. You know, passion's ego-based emotion and purpose is of spirit. So it keeps coming. Pa passion can be really selfish, but purpose can never, ever be selfish. It's always focused rather than unbridled. 
It's really interesting. So once we get that, we're clearer of understanding what's always been there underneath that is that long-term fuel for our fire. And what's been there bubbling away as passions and, and fun things, not so much fun. They can still be um, not so fun. Sport, uh, it can be a passion for people. Sport can also be a purpose for somebody. So that's the kind of, um, when we break it into that, you start, you start kind of thinking about passion versus purpose, not your passions and purpose. If you can clearly define um, those two, you get closer. And I'll tell you what the key is for, and I've been working with purpose for a long time, and I'm sure you've seen this as well. We find our purpose in three ways. One, we never have to look for it in the first place. I know that Mother Teresa never had to look for it. She was born with her purpose and she knew it. She could articulate it. We see these people in history all the time. I also see it in my family and my friends. I can see the people who were born knowing their purpose and it was just never any other way. You just expect everyone else to know it until you realise they don't. The second uh, way that you find your purpose is that you go looking for it because you really need to unearth it. You're really curious and hungry and itchy for it. And the way you do that is you go back in your timeline, you go back to the origin and almost go back to uh, the, the time that every human is their most authentic self, and that's the age of seven. So before that, we're our raw selves. We're unfiltered, unadulterated. See a three-year-old in joy and see a three-year-old having a tantrum. When we're seven, we socialise enough to understand that we can regulate ourselves. So we can regulate our leadership and our authentic self. We don't have to fight all the fights. We don't have to have a tantrum. We'll have it when you know it matters. But at seven, we are our most authentic leader. But we're all our most authentic artist and our most authentic storyteller. So going back and thinking what that ecology was, environment was, what were you doing, thinking, feeling and saying at seven and what has stayed with you all the way through? What did you put up a fight for? You know, what did you not really care about? It's really interesting. And then you can see those threads running through. So that's the second way you find your purpose. And also ask people what you're good at. What's that thing that you're very unselfish about? The third, um, the third way that you find your purpose is it finds you. And working with incredible people like Taria Pitt, um, you know, it, it, it usually finds you in a crisis or you're put under a certain um, tragic event and you will come through with your purpose. I don't think Taria ever thought she was going to be an um, elite mindset um, coach or working with um, goals and championing goals. She was an incredible woman in her own right um, in an industry until her purpose found her. Then the fourth part is people who go through this uh, beautiful life without even knowing or being interested or curious about their purpose. But there's only three ways you find it. You never have to. You get curious or it finds you. And so all I say to everyone is don't wait till it finds you. Amazing. So how do you think insecurity gets in the way of those three things? Yeah, insecurity gets in the way of, I've been thinking about this, learned things. So we're told usually through school what we're good at. We might, you know, we might be awesome at um, cutting out a, cutting out something when we're five and suddenly we're the best person with scissors and that stays with us. I don't know. But um, we get told what we're good at and we start patterning that. If I'm good at writing or if I'm good at English, if I'm good at math, 
I'll just keep working at that strength because that's what's getting me um, congratulated. And we can go through that in our careers as well, whatever that vocation or career path is. But if you're in traditional career path, we have performance reviews. So people tell us what we're good at and what they'd like us to, to keep at home a little bit more. So we don't really get to bring our, all of our humanity and ourselves to work. It's too messy. And so it's really interesting. Insecurity comes up when we're not sure what our passions and purpose are, when we're not really in touch with that autonomy. But also, we're not really in touch with talents and skills. Now, there are two other sides of, of the same coin. A talent is something you're born with. A skill is something you hone. So talents are... are, are born with rites of passage, whatever you're good at. Unfortunately, I wasn't born with a singing voice. I wish I was. However, I could go to singing lessons and I could get as far as I can go by honing that skill if I wanted to. Now, if someone's a natural born singer, can you sing, Jamin? Uh, yeah, I can hold a tune. I've... I think you can. Yep. Okay. Um, so, you, you, so you've got a talent in singing. If you, if you then turned that into a skill you can have both mm. turn it into a skill and you hone that talent into now what is an amazing skill you'd be on the voice or australia's got talent mm. so you can have both a skill might not be a god-given talent i am terrible at numbers uh however i am a financial planner um all certified by asic so i had to learn that skill and you know it sometimes pinned my left eye while i was doing it it just wasn't my jam so i wasn't i'm not talented in numbers i'm great with words but i skilled myself up in financial services which just to bring to life the difference between talents and skills so when you really map out your talents and think about what you want to you know, bring to life because you're born with them. They're the things you're going to go back to. They're going to light you up. And then what skills you want to most uh, keep going with and put out in the world and articulate as your skill. Once you've got your skills, your talents, your, your purpose and your passions, you pretty much then need to answer one question. What does the world need from me right now? Given my purpose, given my passions that I now know, given my God-given talents, and the skills I've worked hard to build. With this value pot now, you've now mapped your value. So you've got your little value bag. So your little value toolbox. And mine's going to be different to yours. It's going to be different to everyone's. With what I've got in my box and what I want to do more of, what does the world need from me right now? Uh, amazing. I, I've got this saying when I was, when I was working on my money story and... Um, facing up to some limiting beliefs I had around my own self and how it played into money. One of the statements that emerged as I really dived into that was uh, money is the reward you get for accurately understanding your value to the world. And, um, and I've shared that with a few people who go, no, 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 that sounds really wrong. Um, I don't think it is. I, I really don't think it is. And I, and I think what you've just described kind of highlights the fact that it is our job. It's our job to understand skills and talents, passions and purpose, and then answer that one question, what does the world need from you right now? And if you can do that job and not expect the world to do it for you, if you can nail that, uh, you are rewarded. Money is one of the rewards you get for answering that question well. Ah, I agree. Can I um, maybe context, context switch that? Because I agree. 
this is one of the blocks I work with my thought leaders. How do they position themselves and then how do they sell themselves? What price point are they at? So I love doing that. This is exactly what I do with my thought leaders, but also career leaders to value themselves. But I say, once you've got this value map, once you've got your value story, which is your origin story, when it comes into your value map, we put it together and that's your value story. It's incredible when people understand their value story. There's no insecurity because they understand their value. They can't change it. They can't hide it. They can't squash it. It's their value. And once they've got that value story, it changes the whole context. It's not about money anymore. It's about richness and wealth in all aspects of life. So financial, yes, we have less money hang-ups and money worries because we understand the richness of what our value is and the richness of everything else it brings in our life. And we start building wealth with that. Once we take away money blocks, we lower money blocks, these wealth um, ideas come in. And it's, it's a lot more holistic without being woo-woo. Um, but money doesn't seem to be an issue with the people that we work with once we break the money uh, mindset with value. Value will always trump money. Money's only a worry when we don't have the value because we don't believe it. Once you've got your value story, money is not an issue anymore. Yeah. And value then equals wealth. Yeah. And that was the thing. It's not that you're seeking more money. It's that money flows. It's all that can happen. When you understand value, um, you will notice very quickly that there is money and wealth in your world as a direct result of that. That's exactly right. And then approaching your your kind of origin story or your, you know, that, that story of your life, that's a logical place for everyone to start with their value. And the logical place to start with your origin story is, you know, where, where did this start? Where was I first ever interested in aforementioned uh, passion and, and purpose? And it's like creating a story of any brand. I always start with a brand story. Everyone, every brand needs a brand story. But um, it's the story that needs to reach your audience on an emotional level. It's the only way we can connect. So unlocking and creating that story is really powerful and it's engaging and it's deeply rewarding process for yourself first and then for others. And then communicating that is your true north. It's your compass point that you never go from you know when you're off it and you come back into it and then you just know that's your compass point and it orients you for life mm. it's just brilliant yeah so speaking of the origin story and going back and examining these things from your childhood um you know a lot of people have a lot of pain in their childhood and, and when they go back or even if they're willing to go back often people are not willing to go back because it was traumatic and difficult and a lot of pain uh, one of the, the quotes we were talking about before we pressed record uh, was the idea that it's never too late to have a happy childhood. And so I think that's an extraordinary bit of wisdom right there. And uh, I, I, I'll, I'll make sure I, I give due credit to whoever came up with that idea in the show notes because that's it's horrible to use such wisdom without referencing the source. Uh, which I can't currently think of who said that, but um, I'm, I'm curious about your take on this when yeah. people can't see the gold in their backstory and their origin story and feel like they had an unhappy childhood. This going back and actually mining that for gold and discovering the gift in it and discovering even in the midst of pain, 
there is a, a way of reframing and understanding that and, and, and healing the child. Uh, so what, what's your take on Correct. that idea? Such a great question. Yeah. So I have, um, I have a mastermind group called the Inner Circle and we, uh, we do a little bit of deep work on this. So when there is, and, and I work with many people, I don't know many people who go back into their origin story and go, yay, this is going to be awesome. It was all rainbows and, and lollipops. It's not. And pain sits in there. And I've um, been able to delicately unearth the gold in that without going into the trauma. I don't work with trauma, but I work with an incredible partner who is a therapist who works with trauma. And um, she knows my work as well. So she, um, she also works with um, anyone that I'm working with who is willing to, to go back there. Everyone finds it cathartic. No one else sees the origin story. It just gives us clues to build a story of value. But absolutely 100% of the people I've worked with in that delicate process, when willing, can understand and they reframe. So, so one uh, amazing woman I work with, um, was stage four leukemia, I think, when she was four or five years old. Her family was uh, Irish, uh, Irish Catholic. And uh, because they were highly religious, um, it was a miracle that this incredible woman um, survived. And so they didn't talk about it. They didn't want to jinx it. They didn't want to. They just, you know, in their belief, uh, and that absolutely fine, that's their belief, and it got them through and, and, and brilliant. She does not... Um, harbor anything there but now she understands that that was the way that their family it was a bigger family they had to get through but she was able to go back in her origin story and understand she's um high up in communications but her specialty is having the hard conversations that no one else wants to have and we went back and, and went that's really important to her because she wasn't really able to have those tough conversations and and those hard conversations and you can't when you're four and so really mapping the value of that in, 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 in kind of inside her, she was able to go, I've always done that. And then I've helped other people voice. And so she could understand she was healing herself all the way through. So once she opened that, she was so much more forgiving to her family and really understood. And she is just, she, she now has her purpose in that. Um, and she does it at a high level uh, and actually changes, helps change legislation at a high level by having those very, very tough conversations early on. So people actually get to map back through their why. And I've had all sorts of stories that you don't need to unearth. But once, once someone sees that because of this, they're then passionate or purposeful about that, they understand just as an accident or an injury or an illness can do it for someone else, they can then map their value. And it's a beautiful um, not everyone wants to do it. Um, most people, when they find this safe space to do it, understand it, and it and it really is cathartic. But it's life changing. It is um, one of my favourite questions that transformed my life when I went back there, and I used with clients is, "What's the gift in this view? What, what's the gift?" Because often people go, "There is no gift. There's no gift. I wish this didn't happen." And, that hurt me it didn't help me and that took from that stole from me and that hindered me and this has robbed me and there is no gift but when when you go back and say oh my goodness there was a gift all along and the moment you learn to receive the gift then then you are healed and transformed and then you bring that gift forward in, into your value and then not only do you get your gift but then you get to share your gift with the world and um, there's nothing more glorious than that and it's these stories then, once you once you own it and embody it, mm. the stories aren't full of shame anymore. They can come out and say, 
I know this firsthand because I was. And people go, oh, and it, it actually entrenches your value even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work with an incredible woman who is at the top of her um, league in, in communications as well and corporate communications. Um, and she actually, going back into origin story, she was brought out from um, an Eastern European country when she was four with her family and she didn't know the language. So she had to go to school. Oh, no, sorry, it was five. She had to go to school, get teased. She was a different background. Then she had to teach her parents somewhat English. Then at nine, they decided to go back to their country of origin and she'd lost a lot of her mother tongue. She didn't belong there either. And then another four years there, she moved back to Australia to continue her schooling. And she, again, communication was just off and she didn't fit in. And so now she absolutely knows firsthand the value of alignment to an organisation, to values, fitting in, belonging and communication. Mm, And she hadn't put put that together until we went back in the origin story. And she now will stand up in an audience and say, I know the value of alignment, culture and communication. I know firsthand because... I, I didn't have that in my formative years. So I'm passionate about organizations and the people inside them having that. And it's just, and she's like, I've always done that because I know what it's like. So it's that question, what have you always done because you know what it's like? Or um, there's probably a couple of prompts if people just want to grab their pen. We can put this in the show notes as well. But a couple of prompts is growing up I was dot, dot, dot. Defining moments in my life include dot, dot, dot. My most challenging time was dot, dot, dot. But my breakthrough came when dot, dot, dot. Then what I didn't expect. And now I offer value to dot, dot, dot. So there are a couple of questions. We will put them in the show notes, Jamin. I'll send them through to you. But they're the prompts that um, I work directly with my clients um, to gently unearth these stories. And people are like, "Mm, I've got writer's block. And then they send in seven, 12 pages (laughs) just answering these prompts. And it goes on and they're like, it's an essay. And I'm like, this is awesome. Then I pull them down to just a value story. And a value story um, is only a couple of paragraphs. It's always there. Like I love, I love how irrational insecurity is because it's built on this work of fiction that we we're not special, we're not something wrong with us, we have no value, and and whenever we buy into that story, then we run and hide and and then never bring ourselves fully to anything for fear of being found out. And so there are lots of people who go, oh yeah, but I'm just not special enough. I, I don't have this inside of me. But it's it's never true, not ever, not once. Not it's not possible that if you are willing to go and examine who you are, you will find gold. You will find that you're stronger than you think. That you're you are far more valuable than you could have imagined that of course you've always been enough it's always there so uh it's just it's just so exciting like i i love the the structure you've created around helping people do this work and the practicality around it it's such a gift and, and such beautiful work so um i'm sure people are benefiting greatly and uh, and we'll find great value in that in that map that you've created around how to do that work. So that's exciting that you've been willing to share that. Thank you. So, um, is there anything we've missed? Any any kind of final thoughts around this? That oh, look, just the yeah, just the power of really understanding, getting in under 
all of this um, to reveal the business you're really in. And so the business I'm really in, I mean, we can rattle off my bio. Mm. Showers come on, it's bloody long. But the business I'm really in is connection and storytelling. And the reason why is to energise people. So when I come back into my one word is energise. I can pull every part of value, how I show up in the world, what I do in my work, what I do with my family, my friends, how I approach things, what I think about, you know, um, you know passions and purposes, comes down to one word. My value word is energise. And so coming from that, I connect and storytell. And it's really important for everyone to get their own value story because we're 20 times, uh, 22 times more likely to remember any fact that's been wrapped in a story. It's our human nature because we all remember stories um, because stories, they trigger our emotions and ignite our imagination way more than facts do. And they transport these ideas we, we have into hearts and minds. They, stories are, are the things that are going to articulate our value. They'll help our clients visualise the prize you're selling and, and the experience and emotions that you give. So I guess the last thing is just for everyone to reflect and, and, and maybe answer that, that, that question of what story are you selling as a leader, as a thought leader, as a human, what story are you selling? It's magic. Um, thank you so much for your energy and for energising us. Well, it's so good. Thank you so much for having me. And um, this will be the start. I'm sure I'll be back. No doubt. Where can people find you? Yeah. People can find me, yes, Um I'm on LinkedIn, so Nicole Hatherley, but also uh, Nicole at brandtruenorth.com. Um, always available there, Brand True North, and uh, watch out for Brand Your Way. It's the um, five-week course for all thought leaders to go through to understand exactly what we've gone through today. Um, but I get to uh, guide them um, to knowing how to brand their way. So very exciting year for us. Mm. Wonderful. Well, that's been super, super useful, incredible value, and we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Jamin. You've been listening to the Insecurity Project podcast. All you need to solve any problem is the proven framework and someone skillful enough to hold you in the space until it works. If this is your year to be insecurity free, jump on the insecurityproject.com and begin your journey to become unhindered by getting a free copy of the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity.